Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another episode of So I Married a Horror Fan. I am one of your co-hosts Simon. I'm Lee. And today we are crossing the stream. Do 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 do. Crossing the stream. But before we get there, before we get to the movie that we are covering, uh, thank you. Uh, a big thank you from us for all the continued support from you wonderful lovely people. We put our Scream 6 spoiler episode out on a Monday. So thank you everyone who has checked that bad boy out. Uh, if you haven't, and if you've been waiting because you've been catching up, waiting for the film to come out, then obviously we fully understand. But the episode is there, so uh, yeah, check it out once you've seen the movie. We would love to hear more people's thoughts on the film, uh, what you guys liked, what you didn't like. Uh, we'd love to hear your theories about you know where the franchise goes from here, etc. Um, yeah, so it's been quite the week this week in horror news. Uh, this episode is coming out on Friday, the 17th of March. If you are listening to it the day that it came out, Pearl, the uh, prequel to X, has finally, finally, as The Rock would say, come out in the UK. We will have a spoiler episode of that later on today. If you are listening to this on the Friday, we will be dropping a spoiler episode um, as that movie, the six-month-long wait for that movie in the UK, has finally ended. Um, the Evil Dead Rise had its premiere at South by Southwest uh, yesterday. What day are we recording this? Thursday, so yeah, yesterday. The reviews have been overwhelmingly positive for that so far. So we are looking very forward. When I say we, I mean I am very much looking forward to seeing that in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, yeah, a little piece of horror news dropped just before we started to record this episode. Lee is completely unaware of this, but I do want to get her thoughts on it. Okay. Because I don't know culturally how familiar you are with this property and how much... It's a lot of build-up and it's not going to have much payoff, babe. What I'm about to tell you influences your decision to see this new movie. So, have you ever heard of Faces of Death? No. Uh, okay. Um... <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> well... No, 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 no. <laughs> so, Faces of Death, for those of you that don't know, uh, is something I heard about from my dad. I think my dad had seen one when he was younger. It's basically like a collection of footage where they try to make it seem real. It was kind of like legalised snuff movies, essentially. Um, okay. But it came to light. So, the first one came out like 1979, and it was all things like man eats monkey brains or man falls on train tracks and dies and shit like that. So it was like a lot of stuff of like accidental deaths, but then also like apparently allegedly real deaths. Obviously it came out years later that it was all faked, but there is an entire franchise of it and it caused a lot of controversy and got banned in a lot of countries. They have announced today that they are remaking it. They are doing a modern remake about a woman who investigates like harmful content on YouTube and finds a bunch of these videos that are apparently people recreating the original deaths from the original film. But in the internet age of misinformation, is the is the, are the films real? Are they faked, etc.? But yeah. they've announced that Barbie Ferreira from Euphoria is going to star in it and Dacca Montgomery. Ah, oh, damn it. Which is... I was so in, uninterested until you brought up Dacca. Yeah. Handsome Shrek. Handsome human Shrek. This is the thing. He's like, a handsome fucker, to be fair. Kind of, kind of... And a really good actor. Obviously, like, I know that generally this isn't your type of thing. It's not. Because it's, like, found footage and stuff. But, like, do you think something like that could work in our day and age? Oh, when gotcha. everybody knows 
like everybody knows that stuff is faked nowadays like everybody knows like things like the Blair Witch and stuff is faked but there is enough ambiguity online with like footage when you see things of like is that real and like yeah but like we see a lot of stuff nowadays like people film fucking car accidents on their mobile phones people feel film like violent attacks like people dying by accident on their mobile phones and then it goes viral <laughs> yeah like this is not a new thing no but i don't the i don't want to say the appeal but part of what made faces of death so shocking originally was the fact that it was in the 70s and the footage was like all camcorder footage or like <laughs> video footage so it looked it had an air of authenticity to it yeah i don't know if you can do that in the modern era with like a budget behind it and, like, this is kind of my thing of, like, you know. You are right. I don't know. But, like, I yeah, I, it's an interesting thing. I love how you were, like, I'm going to bring up the fact that Jake Montgomery is in it at the very last second. Because my wife will be not interested at all. And then I'll be like, <laughs> oh, by the way. But, like. Sexy it's, human track. And I'm like, oh, fuck. It's a weird thing for him to, like, get involved in. I don't know. He's a, he, he does some odd bits and pieces. And it also kind of sounds a bit like Warehouse. 81, 46, 52, whatever the fuck that show was called. No, you're thinking of Darkest Night. No, 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 that one that was on Netflix. What did I say? Warehouse. Warehouse. Do you know what I was thinking of? What's that? Warehouse 13. Yeah, 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 that fucking sci fi show. Yeah. You know, nothing like Archive 81 at all, babe. At at all. But isn't that guy like investigating like weird tapes? Yeah, but it's like recordings from inside of a building before it um, got destroyed. Oh. No, Darkest Night is quite similar, in mm-hmm. which... Uh, the darkest side of the Bear with me. Basically, it takes place in like a science facility where they can view the last minutes of someone's life, like the last hour or two of someone's life after they die. Oh, shit. And they, it's a podcast, but so it's all done like... If anyone... Has, it's, it was done through Shudder. I can never pronounce it properly. Shudder. Thank you. Shudder mudder. Um, it was done through Shudder, and it basically, so you hear the last two, three hours mm-hmm. of someone's life, and man, I will what, say this now. After they've died. After they've died. So they die, each intro, each episode opens in the science facility, mm. and I think they do it through their eyes, it's like a record, do you know the idea of like the mass moment you die is like, mm-hmm. it's not true, but like it's impressed on your retina. Uh, it's basically play on that idea, but like it, you like your cortex or something holds the last few memories before you died. So oh, the shit. podcast is them watching people's last moments. Oh shit! And may they they're all kind of I don't want to give too much away, but like the first episode is like how the owner of the company became the owner of the company who does this research, mm-hmm. and that is like a sore film they have to make their way through this house it's all i think there's five siblings and whoever survives gets the company mm-hmm. so you're seeing it through one of the siblings who's died's point of view and like you like the fucking sound design like because bones are breaking blood yeah, is yeah, spurting. Yeah. like there's one like <coughs> one of the episodes was i gets crushed oh shit and the i'm assuming they use the grape like that's yeah, what my yeah, assumption yeah, is yeah. but the sound design is fucking impeccable this is before i liked watching horror movies like this was way before any of that I really love this podcast. I didn't yeah. like the last season. It went downhill. Uh, Lee Pace narrated the first two seasons nice. of it. <laughs> it's got a really great cast of like, RuPaul's in it. Michelle Visage pops up in an episode. 
Nice. Would highly recommend if anyone likes podcasts and quite likes uh, gore. Although, although you talk about sound design, I found out from watching the behind the scenes of A Quiet Place. You know the scenes where they're like walking through the cornfield or whatever mm. it is? You know how they did the ADR on that? Yeah. Ripping cabbage and like ripping lettuce. So like they're, they're like the... It's like them ripping lettuce and like leaves and stuff. Which is really fascinating because you would just think like just by virtue of like people walking on the fucking ground, like it would make a ground walking sound but apparently not yeah sound design is fascinating like especially in horror movies like the sound design in a horror movie is like constantly fascinating i spot i especially find in like found footage movies like uh adam wingard's blair witch has some fantastic sound design because a lot of it relies on like you know you can't see a lot because the camera's dark or the camera's pointed a different way and stuff like that and Paranormal Activity as well. Mm. Like, because Paranormal Activity, much like Skinnamarink, relies on, like, household sounds. Mm-hmm. And everybody's had that moment where they're, like, just about to fall asleep and then they hear something in the house and you're like, was that my cat knocking a coaster on the floor? Yeah, or is it demons? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm, like, I'm really specific when we go to bed. Like, I have to make sure the house is locked down. Because if there is a noise in the night, I won't wake up because my brain just goes, cats. Yeah. Like, so, like, our house has, like, a bowl. Yeah. A lot. I, like, I wear earplugs to <laughs> He bed. wears earplugs. Because, like... I mean, no one can get in through the back yeah. unless it's one of our neighbours trying to break mm. in, which seems highly unlikely. But the front door is, like, bolted, basically. Because mm. I won't get... Like, literally, I'll just be like, fucking cats. Yeah. And I will just roll the fuck over. Yeah. So I used to hear, like, a lot of cat stuff, because our cats get the zoomies quite a lot. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I find... It's, like, midnight, one, three, five, mm. our cats will get the zoomies throughout the night, and, yeah. Yeah. But you it's... just learn to pace it out. But sound design, I think, is, like, 60% of what makes a horror movie great. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, if you think, especially if you're into, like, sound, sound design, I think Darkest Night is a great mm. podcast for that, because the fucking... Like, I got squeamish just listening to it. Mm-hmm. Although I will call one thing out, knives do not go shing when you like. That's one thing that pisses yeah, me do. off. You do, you Shing. Like, every time, every time I pull, I mean, I make the noise myself, but it makes the noise. But it's like <laughs> scream is a prime example of this. Every time Ghostface like the knife goes or it goes, it makes a fucking weird noise. And I'm like, knives don't make that noise in real life. Like I know, but it's just to add the effect, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the noise, like whenever you're watching. Off, off topic again, like uh, any fantasy movie or anything with the like, sword, the sword the... coming out of the sheath. Yeah, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Does not fucking happen. Uh, gun noises as well, really overblown. Yeah. Guns do not sound like that. They also do not kill rappers. <laughs> they also do not kill people. Rappers, rappers do. do. Guns don't kill people. We're impervious to bullets. It's a miracle. <laughs> also, everyone in a movie seems impervious to like kickback from a gun. Oh, mate, kickback fucking sucks. I realise this is a weird a weird conversation to have in England, but no, kickback fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. I I went clay pigeon shooting once and nearly put my shoulder out. Yeah, I was a RAF cadet. <laughs> Two very different thought forms of shooting. Like you see people like Tara in Scream, the Scream movies, picking up a gun, and I'm like, no. I mean, to be fair, I don't know about a handgun, because I've never shot a handgun. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what the kickback was. But like, uh, like... um. Shotguns 
kickback sucks because that's what you use basically when you play pigeon shooting. They're not uh, quite shotguns. Yeah, it's like a rifle type a of rifle. situation. Yeah, uh, and um, semi-automatic um, firearms, like mm-hmm. the big ones. I don't know what they're called. They use them in the military. Like yeah, the yeah, ones yeah. They've got like, the barrier here and you hold them basically like this. Yeah, I know the one you mean. You see, they're always in movies. Like Navy SEALs like hop out of the war and they've got these big guns. Um, we had not uh, full army like regulation ones, but like uh, cut down versions of them with BB bullets for RAF cadets to practice our shooting. And uh, yeah, even uh, even BB level, that fucking kickback sucks. And then I got to use one on an actual uh, base once as well, and that was fucking horrendous. I had a really badly bruised shoulder. Yeah. Didn't enjoy that, but I did get to fly a plane, so swings and roundabouts. I think I think that's why it's super obvious. No spoilers, but I think that's why it's super obvious uh, who's in the ghost face costume in Scream Six when he or they, should I say, have the shotgun. I mean, to be fair, I feel like it's force of habit now. I've stopped even gendering Ghostface mm-hmm. ever. I'm just like, he... I could be talking about fucking Nancy. And I'm like, he? In the costume, obviously. Maybe it's Nancy. I'm like, yeah, she. She did this, she did that. And I'm like, it is Nancy Loomis, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I that's what I mean. Like, the, <laughs> not, it's not only the precision with which they use the gun. Like, it's the... Okay, stop now before you yeah. before you ruin anything. But like, it's just it just, just stop now before you ruin anything because you're gonna end up saying something's <coughs> gonna be a spoiler. I wasn't so just, planning just, to, but yeah, yeah. But you have for anyone who knows my husband, he has a habit of letting things slip, not realizing what he's let slip. Hey, look, man. All I'm saying is, I did not expect it to be three bodega rats in a ghost face costume. Obviously, three ghosts in a ghost face costume. I'm gonna get that three ghosts in a trench coat tattooed on me. I might see if she can give them the little ghost face eyes, though. Mm. It was one of the uh, one of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah, like that's why it's in New York because they couldn't figure out how to get the Ninja Turtles to fucking not Woodsboro, Woodsboro. Yeah. Do you not find it fucking weird? Like you've seen the Turtles movie, right? The original one, the yes. OG one. Do you not find it the fucking? Costume. Do you not fucking find it weird that Raphael goes out in just a hat and a trench coat? <laughs> and, like he goes like you see him go to the cinema. Like, he goes to the cinema at the beginning. He's a giant rat in a yeah. trench coat. Well, he's a turtle, I mean, to be fair... Oh, yeah, sorry. Because Splinter's I was a Splinter. Yeah. So, like, at the beginning of that movie... I it, mean, it is New York. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> it opens with Raphael going to the cinema. And then he, like, meets Casey Jones in the park. Because he's fighting that fucking dude. And he's got no, like, facial shit on. He's just got a fedora and a trench coat. And I'm like, what the... F- How do people not know that that's, It's like... not the strangest thing anyone's seen in New York. <laughs> I mean... The Teenage Mutant Tales are in fact real, just no one in New York gives a shit about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're all like, it's not even the weirdest thing I've seen tonight. They're like, we I saw... I saw three otters in a trench coat earlier. We saw a 150-foot marshmallow man once. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're getting wildly off topic. We are not here to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Ghostbusters or Ghostface or any of that shit. See, that's what they should have done. Ghostface in New York, they should just call Ghostbusters. <laughs> Okay, babe, let's wrap this up um, and get on to the We episode. are here to talk about The Invitation. Not that one, the other one. We're not here to talk about that fucking crap movie with Natalie Emmanuel. Oh, the 2018 version. Yeah, and that fucking really Irish, good. Scottish, Irish guy from The Descendants. I always want to say he's Irish, but I think he's Scottish. Yeah, he was in High Fidelity in The Descendants. That's mm-hmm. what I know about him. He's Captain Hook, he's not Welsh and he's not English. He's one of the other two. I can't even think. <laughs> his what name's his like name Thomas is. Doherty or something. Thomas Doherty. Doherty. So Doherty. he's probably Irish then. Uh, 
But then I always think that Gerard Butler's Irish and he's fucking Scottish. No, he's Scottish. Yeah, Thomas so, Dewey's Scottish. Yeah, there you go. It's from Edinburgh. There you go. Um, yeah, so we're not talking about that crap Bride of... Spoiler alert, Bride of fucking Dracula movie or whatever the fuck that nonsense was. We are I talking about The Invitation from 2015, directed by genre goddess Karen Kusama, who I love. The way you're asking me like it's a question. I don't know. Do you love her? I do. I do. How I just don't you? want. I just don't want her to ever listen to this. Be like that guy's a fucking creep. <laughs> so you phrased it as a question. Yeah, I was like for legal for, for, le- for legal reasons. I'm gonna be like. Eh. But yeah, you are right. Directed by Karen Kasama, who's a fucking legend, and written by Phil Hay and Matt Manfredini, which is basically every Karen Kasama film, bar like two. Do they write a lot of their movies then? Well, one of them is her husband. Oh, shit. For real. <laughs> oh, shit, for real. Uh, yes, I do know that for a fact. I think it is only two films. Yeah, it'll be Eon Flux and uh, uh, Jennifer's Body, I think. Except for Girl Fight oh. and Jennifer's Body, all of the feature films as of 2022 have been written by her husband, Phil Hay, and his writing partner, Matt Manfred. Shit, I didn't know they wrote fucking Eon Flux. <laughs> there we go. So everything bar two films. Yeah written by but she does dudes. she does a lot of TV work um, which reminds me Yellow Jacket is back next week yes she does she I was really surprised because I went through her thing and there was a couple of things I was like really yeah. she worked on the Mysterious Benedict Society Chicago Fire she did a couple of episodes she did episodes. a couple of episodes of Chicago Fire uh, Massive Sex Casual and I was like what is going on she, I think she directed the pilot episode of Yellow... She's an executive producer on Yellow Jackets, and I think she directed the pilot episode. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, cast-wise in this film, we have uh, not... Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Logan Marshall Green. Uh, Trey from The O.C. Yes. I'm sure he loves what being reminded see? of that all the time. I'm sure he loves uh, it. As Will, Tammy Blanchard as Eden... Tammy, what a name. Um, oh my god. Amayatia Coroneldi? Yeah, I saw that name earlier and I was like, I'm not even going to fucking attempt that. We'll go with that. As Kira. Uh, Michelle Kruziak as Gina. Mike Doyle as Tommy. Jordi Villasuso as Miguel. Jay Larson as Ben. Maria Delfino as Claire. Mitchell Huisman? Huisman. Houseman. As David, uh, Lindsay Bur- Birch as Sadie, John Carroll Lynch as Pruitt, and then uh, Carl Yoon as Choi. And who the fuck is Annie? <laughs> I'm like going through the meal now. I'm like. Well, she wasn't the sick woman on the video that died. Was oh, she? maybe. And then, yeah, that's it. That's the cast. That's, it's quite a big cast. Uh, Plotline wise, uh, when a man accepts an invitation to a dinner party hosted by his ex-wife, the unsettling past reopens old wounds and creates new tensions. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, this was made on a budget of nobody knows because apparently I don't have access to that information. Mm-mm, not okay. Uh, but gross worldwide, it made three hundred and fifty-four thousand dollars. 
So I'm assuming it had. Oh no! Apparently the budget was one million. Jesus. Yeah, budget was one million. It made three hundred and fifty-four thousand eight hundred thirty-five dollars. I don't think it had a wide release. I think it had a limited cinema release, and then it was, uh, like, was premiered at South by Southwest. Uh, went on to scream at London Film Festival, and then had a limited release at, and a thorough video on demand. Or three video was released on April eighth uh, in a limited release and through yeah. video on demand. There you go. So yeah, but that's still mm. not a massive no uh, <clears throat> amount of money. So a few observations about this movie. Firstly, this yes. is a weird fucking movie to follow Jennifer's body up with. It's pretty Jennifer's body, isn't it? No. Jennifer's no, body's post, yeah. yeah. Second of all, Tammy Blanchard uh, has a striking and distracting resemblance to Dana Diamond. And thirdly, this is the only one of Karen Kusama's feature films to not have a female central protagonist, like a female central lead. Because Eon Flux... Has the type uh-huh. of character. Girl fight's got. I think it's Jennifer Lopez or Halle Berry. One of the two. I can't remember because they both did a film similar. It might even be Michelle Rodriguez. They all did similar films around the same yeah, it time. It doesn't really matter, but yeah. And then obviously Jennifer's body has Jennifer Check, and then Destroyer has Nicole Kidman's character as a central plot. So I find it fascinating that this is the first and only really movie <laughs> of hers that doesn't ha- revolve around like a strong central female lead Mm -hmm. which is fascinating because that's kind of the area that karen kusama works in she works on a lot of films with like really strong female leads she works in a lot of like things about female empowerment female rage female like you know changes and things like that and the way that females are presented in like the wider world world of whatever story that she's telling and kind of all the women in this film, even though Eden is kind of a central character, are kind of background players. This isn't really... This is Will's film. Yeah. And it's weird seeing a, a film that's directed by her through, like, a man's eyes. And, like... Yeah. Yeah, it was very. It was a very odd experience, especially coming off of the heels of Jennifer's body, which we've talked about ad nauseum being, like such a coming out moment for like you know sort of female empowerment and horror and and all that on all the things that we've talked about before um but yeah i mean i want to i'm really interested to know what you think of this film and i'm really hoping that you have a balanced argument and you're not just it was fucking boring (laughs) so (coughs) it was fucking boring End credits. End credits. That's my entire review. It was fun. Right. No. Okay. This film is very slow from beginning to end pretty much. And there is a lot of build-up intention. My issue is that there is too much build-up intention. And that is not balanced out with any kind of character development whatsoever. Outside of Will, you could have literally just put a bunch of scarecrows in the room with him for how much I cared about any of the other characters in this movie. Or knew about them. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, there's no character development. And what really pissed me off about this movie is that we are introduced in the very beginning to Will's new girlfriend, Kira. I don't know how long they've been together. It's never made really clear mm-hmm. who are going to dinner at his ex-wives with her new husband or boyfriend, whatever he is to her. Um, <clears throat> and then basically, Kira is just shoved mm-hmm. out of the plot yeah. until the end of the film. Yeah. 
she becomes a non-entity. Mm-hmm. And that is the crime committed against basically every woman in this film. Kira's a non-entity. Uh, the one who leaves party halfway through, Claire. she's a non-entity. The one who dies at the dinner table. Uh, Eden, I remember her name. They say it a lot. Not really. They, she joined a cult. That's her entire personality. She joined a cult. Yeah. Um, and the male characters don't get off any better either. Because Ben, David, David, Ben? David is the leader. Yeah. He, he joined a cult. He lost somebody. I think his wife, it gets referenced at one point that he lost his wife. <laughs> not entirely sure though. That is not clear. Um, but that's about it. Uh, there's the, the gay couple. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, for a while, I thought they were in a throuple with Gina until she started talking about the fact that her boyfriend wasn't here because they don't make it eventually clear who is dating who. I thought... I thought Troy was dating Claire. What? I thought Troy was with Claire, not Gina. Who's Troy? Troy's the guy that turns up later on. You know, the one that leaves the voicemail for him. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was Claire's boyfriend. I think they thought well, they referenced. I thought Claire the... left early. Yeah, she did. No, it's he's Gina's boyfriend. Oh. And then I thought Claire and Ben were dating for a while because that wasn't very clear. Yeah. Like this is the problem: is none of these characters obviously were supposed to root for them at some point in this film. Mm. I gave zero fucks about any of them, and in all honesty, the one character we actually got to really know was Will, and I couldn't fucking stand him. Yeah. Like, this movie could have been fantastic. And this is not a dig at Karen Kusama because the film is beautifully shot. Oh, yeah. Karen Karen Kusama is a fucking incredible director. But the plot... I don't... I've looked online because I thought, oh, maybe it's not that good of a film. I saw the trailer. I was really excited. I was like, we're going to cover this. This is going to be really fun. Very excited for it. So after I watched it, I was like, oh, people must have been really let down. People fucking love this film. Yeah. And I'm very confused. <laughs> because I don't... I must have missed something. Like, surely. Yeah, it's entirely possible. The, the, I mean, I think, ha- I think half the problem is that you don't like slow films anyway. I mean, that's not entirely true. That's not... If, if the payoff is good, I, I'm happy with a slow film. I mean, Wounded Fawn, for one. Mm. That's not a particularly quick film. I love that yeah. film. Um, and there's others as well. I'm pretty confident there have been others. And I, I know there's others in my back catalogue mm. of films I love. As long as the payoff is worth the build-up and you get to know the characters enough that you give a shit about all the stuff that's happening to them, mm-hmm. I don't mind it. But it has to be well-balanced. If the payoff is worth it. But also there has to be enough character development to keep me interested in what any of these people are going through. Yeah. Like, my assumption is that all of them are suffering from grief in one way or another. Yeah, that's what you're led to believe. But outside of Will and Eden, I don't really know what anyone else's grief was supposed to be. Mm. Like, there's a major plot point of this film is, like, dealing with grief. How you deal and, like, the traps you can fall into when dealing with yeah. emotions like that. And the way people can prey on you when you're going through something like that. But 
outside of Will and Eden, I don't know what any of the other characters as grief was that they went through. <clears throat> like... Yeah, I think that's kind of half the problem with this film is like, it's never really explained why those specific people were there, other than the fact that David seems to have managed to like get his hooks into Eden and they need people to complete whatever holy mission or whatever it is that they're on. I don't know if it was that David got his hooks into Eden, because the way it plays out, it very much feels like David and Eden joined the cult together. Yeah, although the conversation that they are having towards the end when she says, this isn't right, like, I can't do this, and he's like, this is what we need to do, makes it seem like maybe he convinced her. I don't know, I think he's he was more, I think sure he was more she, she was really into it until the whole, I've got to kill my friends. Because funnily enough, none of his friends are there. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, And that's kind of like half the problem for me, is like the two the twofold thing of this story of like, you don't know why their friends are there and you don't really know why the cult has to kill them. You kind of get the sense of like they have to kill a certain amount of people to release their own pain and to release their own like guilt and whatever to like then ascend to like a higher level. Because they, there's numerous comments where they're like, oh, I'll be with you soon. Yeah. So, so it I seems think... like it's a murder-suicide. So what, they have to kill people who are grieving in order to... Yeah go over to the other side to be with the people they're grieving it's very unclear i mean to be fair it's a cult i don't think it needs to be particularly clear yeah it just needs to make sense to like it it was very much a like we have to kill these people and then we're going to ascend like this is how we get to heaven or this is how we get to whatever they think their like higher plane of existence is um it was very like a very i don't want to say wishy-washy but it was a very like obtuse and purposely vague like thing i feel like that was on purpose Mm. because to an outsider i feel like that's what cults feel like is it's all wishy-washy and very vague Mm -hmm. it's only the people who are indoctrinated it makes sense to yeah and that's that's not just cults to be fair pyramid schemes as well yeah pyramid schemes lol yeah um so, and like the thing is as well, like you said, it's like there's never really an explanation as to why the friends are there, like other than the fact that they need like X amount of bodies and yeah, like is there a specific amount of people they have to kill? Yeah, it's like could they have not just found like randoms? Did it did it have to be people that they were emotionally connected in? Are they are they more susceptible because they're friends and they're all connected in like? Uh, like, how long have they been friends? Did they grow up together? Are they childhood friends? Did they go to college together? Like, like have they went through... to college together. Yeah. We know that because um, Gina references doing uh, coke with them in college. Like, have we... Like, this is what I mean. There's, like, so many bits where you're like, you know, okay, I know that you know this person, but how do you know the group at large kind of situation? And it's like, there's a lot of, like... I feel like they could have trimmed... This movie only really sort of gets to its point in the last half an hour. And I feel like it could have maybe pulled, started to pull things back about sort of half an hour, 35, 40 minutes in. And then let the last hour play out of like them starting to like be suspicious of each other, what the actual cult's plan was, like all this sort of stuff. To be fair, I feel like what the cult's plan is doesn't really matter. 
that's that's not the point. No, but what I mean is like, not not them revealing the plan, but him kind of you know that outburst that he has at the dinner table that could have happened a lot sooner in the film and started to cast doubt on each other and like all that sort of stuff. They waited far too long for it to start getting to the point of like, this is dangerous. We need to tell people what's going on now. And then, as you said, there's like five minutes of like cat and mouse and then like half the cast are fucking dead. Yeah, literally. So it gets revealed that they're trying to actually kill them. And I'm not even kidding. Gina dies immediately because she drinks the drink. One of the men, it's not Miguel, it's the other no, it's Miguel. Miguel gets shot over her body. Um, Ben dies in the garden. Yeah, Troy gets shot. Ben doesn't. Troy. His name's Troy, isn't it? Troy. Throughout the entire film, I thought they were calling him Troy. Troy. Is it? Yes. Was it just their pronunciation of it? Yes, the guy's name is Troy. Legitimate. That's why I was so confused. Ben like, doesn't. Troy. The other guy like, doesn't die. The blue shirt guy doesn't die. He's there at the end. No, you. Ben is Ben is the chubbier dude. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Right, hang on. Let me go to the cast so I can figure out who the fuck dies. So, do 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 do. Yeah. So Gina dies first. Miguel then dies, and then Troy dies. No, it is. It's Troy. C-H-O-I. I thought they were calling that motherfucker no, Troy. Troy. That's why I was really confused when you were like, Troy. I was like, who the fuck is Troy? Oh, I thought that motherfucker's name was Troy. Yeah. Uh, Troy, die, Troy dies and then Ben dies in the garden. Hmm. And then Sadie dies. Pruitt dies. Eden dies. Will dies. And then we're left with Tommy Will. No, sorry. Ben dies? No. David dies. Yeah, because Will's... They all have such white people names. Will's there at the end Will, watching the lanterns. Will, Tommy and Kira survive. Yeah, and they're all watching the lanterns. They were all watching yeah. the lanterns go on. Yeah. <sighs> Mate. But this is what I mean. Like, the movie gets really suspenseful towards the end, but they are like... It, it's, it spends so much time with the foreplay. It's like, it's kissing your neck. It's stroking your back. It's like working its way up your inner thigh. And oh, then, yeah, like your boyfriend's trying his hardest to turn you on and then nuts in five seconds. Yeah, and it's like, that's kind of like the way that this movie is like... Yeah, there's a lot of foreplay. Oh, you're just, Very little sex. You're so hot. I couldn't help it. <laughs> it's like everybody starts fucking dying. And it's like, it's so weird because like, yeah, I get it. Like... I have no issue with films taking their time. Like, one of my favourite films of all time is The Wicker Man, which is not a fast-paced film at all. The Omen, The Exorcist, all of these movies take a really fucking long time to build up to where they go. But then they all have exceptional payoffs. Whereas I didn't find the payoff in this movie to be satisfying in any way, shape or form. Because you don't really... Like, firstly, the ensemble of characters in the movie are fucking horrible. One of the most unlikable ensembles in a film not named House of Wax. And when they die, they die so quickly that you... First off, your brain doesn't have a chance to register that these fucking non-entities have died. And secondly, you're like, oh, I don't really care. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of the problem. Like, by not fleshing the characters out in that extended time where they're setting up the group and setting up the friends by making it a secular story based on just fucking Will's grief and 
the the madness of being in the house where his son died that his ex-wife's hosting a party and after no one's seen her for two years and like the movie being from his pov you never really get a chance to kind of experience the film from anybody else's eyes and he's the only character who seems to go this is fucking weird we shouldn't be here and like that's the other thing as well the penny doesn't drop for any of the other characters which means that for a long period of time, none of the characters is, think though, that they're in danger or I are aware of the fact like that they're in danger. part of the reason that we sit here and go, nobody else seems to click on, is because we see all of it from Will's point of view. Whereas everyone else is seeing it, is watching Will have a meltdown in what is a really emotional, turbulent situation for him. So they're all looking at him going, you need to calm the fuck down, let me... Like, Maybe yeah, yeah, you shouldn't yeah. have come. Like this is obviously very difficult for you. Yeah, you are having an, and I think Will's reaction stuff distracts from the weird shit that's happening elsewhere. Yeah. So it is, and that sort of thing. Like the thing is, you don't because you don't see the characters exhibit any sense of like we're in danger or this is odd or this is like not a usual situation because they are so focused on getting him through the night and his feelings and what's happening with him, that by the time the bad stuff comes, you're just like, well, you sh- you fucking idiot should have seen this coming. Mm. Um, I would have preferred the last 40 minutes to have been the last hour of the movie. I would have preferred more of the, like, cat and mouse stuff, who can we trust, like, when it kind of goes a bit purgy, a bit home invasion-y towards the end. I would have preferred a lot more of that because I did find that quite interesting and I would, I would have been absolutely fascinated to have known where the rest of the group's allegiances would have lied. Like, would would David and Eden been able to have got to the other people? Would they have been able to get them to turn on Will? To I turn don't. On Kira, I, things like that. Like, I don't think they were ever interested in turning them. To be no, honest. I know, but like, I kind of am interested in in like in my head the facets of the story that could have been explored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with the setup that we're given it's like because there are a couple of people in that group where you're kind of like you can kind of see that like they would be really easy to get to like i could yeah like you know this motherfucker would have put a bullet in will's brain like if he had a chance to and like there are a couple like gina i feel like is kind of on the fence as well i feel like there are elements in in this in the film where you're kind of like is she gonna just... The thing is, though, is I feel like at this point we're not even discussing the movie, we're just pitching a better film. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. But this is what I mean, though. This is, like, the room that the film gives you to think about. But, yeah, it's an odd one, man. Because, like, again, like you, I wanted to cover it because, A, I love Karen Kusama, and B, because we have seen so many people talk about it on various different videos and talk about how great it is and how groundbreaking and how you don't see the ending coming and like how the film completely shifts. And I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't like it's, yeah, I wouldn't say you don't see the ending coming. Yeah. It feels like it a lot of wasted potential for the talent that's involved. And I just kind of feel like a little bit let down. I feel a bit like, I don't know, you know? Yeah. I feel like, you know when you go on like a date with someone and they spend the whole evening talking about themselves and then literally the five minutes before you like say goodbye to them is when that's your part to tell your, to to get yourself out, if that makes sense. And that's kind of what this feels like. It feels like I've just sat and spent an hour of my life with someone going, 
this is who I am. This is what's happening to me. These are my interests. And then literally as I'm about to say goodbye to them, they go, oh, so like, what's going on with you? And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so fucking weird. And it's very rare that I am critical of Karen Kusama's work because I do think she is a fucking genius. Thing is, though, is I do feel like this this does not sit on Karen Kusama's shoulders. This sits on um, the writer's shoulders. Yeah. And I feel like she has been let down greatly by a script that kind of a little bit smacks of its own self-importance. And it feels like it wants to tell you a lot, but not tell you a lot. And then it just kind of like forgets to get to a point. Mm. Um, however, her direction, as always, is fucking on point. There are some incredible shots in this movie. There are some incredible things that she does. Like, there's an amazing scene in this movie that's really fucking weird. And it's where Will's, like, walking through the house. And he sees Sadie, like, through a little crack in the door. And she's, like, pulling these fucking weirdo faces. And there's, like, a moment where she she just... Her head slowly moves and she, like, locks eyes. But they do it in a way that she's staring at you before they turn the camera around so that you can see that she's staring at Will. And it's so disconcerting and it's so creepy. And, like, the ending is fucking great. When you see them looking over the Hollywood Hills or whatever hills it is in California, and they're like, all you just see all the lanterns going on, and all you can hear is the background noise of just people screaming, and you realise that, like, what's just happened to these people is happening to, like, 15 other houses in this neighbourhood on this, like, canyon or whatever. And that's really interesting, and that, like, that kind of, it, again, is like a, a, a last moment of world building. It's like, as you said, we have no idea of like how far this cult reaches what their intentions are what their end game is like and you know again as you said is it important to the story no but then when you pull an ending like that and it kind of shows you the reach you're kind of a bit like well i wish i'd known a little bit more i wish i'd known a little bit like because how am i you know like how am i supposed to care about these people's plight when i don't really know what the antagonist is after it's a little bit like hereditary with the payment cult when you're a bit like how far does this fucking thing reach like these people seem everywhere but i still don't really know what their fucking intentions are until like the very last moment and then the movie's fucking ended um and that was kind of like again they're like here have this like fucking cool shot of like all of these lanterns going off and this idea that the cult reaches further than this one house but end credits you know what i mean like it's just very frustrating um, but I thought there were some very good tense moments. I thought there were some very good moments in this movie that were scattered throughout, but I thought they were very few and far between. I think Will's birthday or dinner outburst, is it meant to be a birthday cake that they've made? I, I can't don't remember. know. Like his outburst at the table when he says to everyone, this is a fucking dangerous like situation. Like we all need to get out really good. The bit when he like tries to save everybody from fucking being Jonestowned really fucking good um i think joe lynch carroll's scene where he talks about his wife is like super intense and that was the moment where i thought the movie was going to start picking up and then it didn't um so there are like definitely really good moments peppered throughout this film but they come very few and far between and they come at the expense of the pacing and by the time you get to the fucking kickoff point all the tension has kind of been because they. Do, this is another thing they do as well. They do this quite a lot in movies of this ilk. They do the whole like 
somebody knows and then somebody tries to make everybody aware and then like something happens that undermines what they've said and they're like see it's fine and it's like you know what i mean like he's like troy just troy Troy just turned around yeah and like another movie that does this is fucking don't worry darling they do a lot of this shit and don't worry darling with florence pew she's like i'm on to you because of this reason or that reason and then like nah this is the explanation you're just crazy Life carries on. So by the third or fourth time they've done that, all the tension has been like sucked out of the movie because you're like, they're just going to explain this away or they're just going to make you think that the main character is crazy until it's fucking too late and then the movie's ended. Do you know what would have been a better plot twist and more unexpected? Is that Will is just fucking crazy? Yeah. And like he has a meltdown at the end and like fucking tries to off everybody. Yeah. Or you play it like the other way, kind of like they do in like jigsaw where he's the one he's the one that's responsible for his son's death and then his grief has caused him to like mentally create like an alternate reality where he not like an alternate reality but like his grief has kind of made him imagine another scenario than has blocked out his involvement in his son's death mm. and dan not actually a cult they are actually like his friends trying to stage an intervention but he's so far in the weeds that he thinks that it's a cult and that's why he's so, like, frantic and so manic. And it actually turns out that they're not a cult after all. And that would have been fucking fascinating. It would have been fascinating to explore the idea of, like, a group of people in your inner circle turning on you through your own skewed Yeah, and I think lens. as well, because of the, the whole film is kind of a meditation on grief to a degree, it would have lent more credence to that. Yeah. Because the ending for me kind of ruins the whole this is a meditation on grief. Yeah. That we get for most of the film. I mean, don't get me wrong, most of the film is fucking boring, but at least it's consistent. Yeah, yeah. It's consistent in its messaging and what it's trying to tell people. And the thing is, as well, that would kind of explain why, in his warped mind, why his ex-wife doesn't give a shit as much about that baby dying as what he, or his son dying as what he did. Because he's... He would think that. He would think that, like... Well, she, why doesn't she care? Like, you know, I'm the only one that's going through this. And, like, from a psychological standpoint, that would have been far more fucking interesting than, than the movie that we got. And it, it's a real shame because I do think, like, nine times out of ten when Karen Kusama steps up to bat, she knocks it out of the park. I just think this is a rare instance of, like, her directing the fucking shit out of this film and just being let down... <laughs> excuse me. ...by a script that doesn't quite match her... I like the performances as well. The performances in this movie are really fucking flat. Everybody outside of Will, David and maybe Pruitt are like acting like on a like real borderline surface level. There's nothing. None of these people feel real. None of these people feel like real characters. Nobody in this movie seems like. They are acting how they would in this situation. Yeah. To be fair, though, I've, I just assumed that was because no, none of the characters knew anything. None of the actors knew anything about their characters. They were just like, well, what would they do in this situation? Well, we don't know because we have no idea who the fuck this person is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it feels like the script just says, like, Ben, uh, we'll just make it up on the day. Or fill in character, like, when cast or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like these characters. Nobody in this movie, other than Will feels like a real fleshed out character and i think that again leads like into the enjoyment level of this film and like why the film falls apart but um what 
we'll we'll wrap up there because I feel like there's not really a lot else that we can say about it. So, give me your final thoughts on this movie and your score out of five. This movie could have been great. It could have been great, and I would love for somebody to to explain to me why this movie is so beloved. Because I really, I just don't get it. I can only assume it's because of the third act. Yeah, right. but that third act is like fifteen minutes long, mate. Yeah. It's not worth the other hour and twenty five you sat through. Yeah. Um but yeah, I just don't get it. I really I it's beautifully shot, but outside of that I I fuck it, I don't get it. It's not well acted. This the script is good, like the actual like dialogue is good. Mm-hmm. But the actual script plot line is fucking weird. Yeah. Um, but no, I really want to like it. I did really want to like it. I went into this expecting to really enjoy it. Um, it always sounds really interesting whenever I read like read like the blurb for it because I've picked it up quite a few times to buy it. Um, the trailer made it look really interesting, but yeah, no, it was just a letdown. Yeah. Uh, score wise, I'm, I'm gonna give it. A 1.5 and that entire 1.5 is just because Karen Kusama fucking really put her back out trying to fucking direct this. Yeah, I I agree with everything that you just said. I think I'm going to give it a 2, but I don't disagree with anything you said. I think that you are right on the money and I feel like this could have been so much more and it feels like a massive wasted opportunity. Um, but yeah, I agree with, I agree with everything you said. Like... I, for the most part, did not enjoy this movie. And I think even like the little tiny bit at the end where it was like starting to get somewhere, it ended way too quickly, uh, way too um, uh, anticlimactically for me. And I just feel like, yeah, it could have been so much better and it could have been so much more interesting. But um, yeah. I don't really have anything else to add. So that's our thoughts on the invitation. Have you guys seen it? Have you not seen it? Like, if you have, like, please share your thoughts with us because we would love to know what you guys think of it. As always, come find us on social media, S-I-M-A-H-F pod on Twitter. So I'm Aaron, a horror fan, all lowercase, all one word, are on Tumblr and Instagram. And as I said, we will be at later on today, if you are listening to the day that this is released, we will be dropping our spoiler review on Pearl. And we will be back on Monday with a look at the uh, 80s quote-unquote cult classic um, house. And until then, I've been Simon. I've been Lee. Stay spooky, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.